We're back with another episode of Built By Us that you're going to love. We're thrilled to have you join us for episode three of our podcast. I'm Jamie Arroyo, CEO at Assets, and with me here is Kirsten McWilliams, Assets Marketing Manager. In today's episode, we're honored to sit down with Amit Corsell, a local entrepreneur who's changing the grooming game in our city. As the proud owner of Cutting Edge Barbershop and Cutting Edge Barbershop Academy, Amit's dedication to his craft and commitment to fostering future talent is truly inspiring. Get ready to learn about Amit's journey, the secrets behind his successful businesses, and the impact he's making in the community. Giddy up. I love all this. Right, all right. Well, welcome, Ahmed. Thank you for joining us today. Um, so to kick us off in a you know exciting conversation, happy to have you. Um, can you start off with telling us your superhero origin story? Well, you know, the first story for me was just kind of like the way I got into cutting hair basically was not getting a haircut in a barbershop. So mom was my barber for plenty of years, um, kind of got butchered most of the time. Oh, no. <laughs> um, but it, it kind of like I, I never had something good yet until I went to a barbershop. So mm-hmm. fast forward, freshman in high school, one of my good friends kind of pushed me to basically go to the barbershop with him. Mm-hmm. It was actually at Chan Paul's Barbershop. And we sat for hours because we didn't have an appointment. So mm-hmm. it was while I was sitting, I was learning. I felt like I was in school, things like that. So. At, once I got that first haircut, I had time to like really see what everybody else was doing. It was kind of mind blowing, like a culture shock for me in a good way. So I went ahead and just started, you know, asking my friends, things like that. Eventually, after kind of watching, like, can I cut your hair? Things like that. And it kind of just kind of took off from there. And then I just kind of knew once the clippers were in my hand that that was my gift. Mm. It was a weird feeling. It was just like one of those things that it didn't feel like work at all whenever I was cutting hair. My mind went clear. It was kind of like therapy, and I, I couldn't believe I got paid to do it as well. So it was a, it was a good, great thing to this day for myself. So yeah, yeah, and it's a lesson learned for anyone that goes to a barber shop without an appointment. You will yeah. wait for hours. <laughs> Absolutely, so it's important to get an appointment. appointment. <laughs> Make that appointment for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Did it take a little convincing for your friends to be like, "Hey, can I cut your hair?" Or were they like, yeah. "Do it"? Uh, I'm glad you bring that up because uh, <laughs> a lot of my friends, um, one, I had to pay them. So really? I, I had to put the money in their hand before I cut their hair Wow! Um, because if I messed them up, they had money to go get it fixed. Mm. So the other one was we would play video games and I'd be like, look, if I beat you in Madden, can I cut your hair? Yeah. So now the roles are reversed. Now they can't even kind of get in the book because it's so filled. <laughs> but it it's like, you know, sometimes with my students I have now, you know, I always tell them you got to find a way. Mm. And for me, I had to pay for it. But that's how bad I wanted it. I was willing to give up the little bit of money I had to to focus on what I really wanted to do. So. It's, it's it's a great like I felt like it was a great humbling story for me because I was I didn't have no money so it was like the what I did that was literally, literally most of the time it was my haircut money to get my haircut but I was like if I do good I don't have to give him it so yeah. sometimes three hours later you know it took but you know we made it happen so yeah that's like a different way of thinking about investing in your own business and yeah. investing right. in yourself to get yeah, it started for sure yeah yeah it takes money to make money absolutely yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So take me a little bit farther back. So you mentioned you're originally from New York, yep. um, but you were. Yep. So yeah. I was, I was born in New York, but I was made in Lancaster. So yeah. we kind of, we moved here when I was about three years old. So I kind of grew up in Lancaster mm-hmm. city, uh, went to Wickersham up the hill to Lincoln over the East, right mm-hmm. to McCaskey. Um, and then right up to Champs Barbershop where I started my barbering career. So really like grew up in the city. Um, and this is what kind of made me into what I am today, Lancaster mm-hmm. city. Awesome. Yeah. Um, what were some of the biggest challenges when you were first starting your journey as a barber? As a barber or barber owner? 
or uh, both? Or both, okay. yeah, yeah. So I remember the phone call. I don't remember who called me at the time, but when I got the job at the barbershop, I told them, like, I don't know how to do a fade yet, though. But I can do shape-ups, you know, some easier things, um, because they seen one of my haircuts, and they're like, who cut your hair? And they said, Amit did. And that's what kind of led them to say, hey, we got a chair open. Let's let's give this guy a chance. So they called me, and I was like, I don't know how to fade. And I remember them saying, you'll learn. Mm. And that was it. So the minute I hung off the phone, I called my brothers downstairs. You're getting ball fades right now. <laughs> so it wasn't good, and I was scared because I was like, it was a huge challenge. I'm like, I really don't know what I'm doing. I didn't go to school. And I know in the barbershop, I'm not going to have someone teaching me either because clients are expecting you to produce because they're paying for their haircut. So that was probably the the confidence for me. Like there'd be a room full of people and I wouldn't even ask who's getting a haircut because I didn't think they'd want to cut by me. Mm-hmm. So I was like super shy because I was like, I was nowhere near on the level as the other ones around me. You know, a lot of them had more experience, been there for longer. But at the end of the day, you got to produce because people mm-hmm. are paying their hard earned money for that haircut. So yeah. why would they come to me when they can go to someone else? So mm-hmm. Those are probably the biggest things I battled early on, but I just knew I really wanted to do it. So like my barber school was watching the barbers in the shop, asking questions, learning from my mistakes and just not really giving up and just keeping my eye on the prize of becoming a great barber. So I just kept trying to push forward. Um, now it's a lot easier, I would say. There's a thing called YouTube. Yeah. So we didn't, we didn't have that when I started. Um, there's so many resources that are available now that make it so much simpler for the next generation. But I feel like I'm glad the era I grew up in, it was, I feel like it was the really the hardworking generation where you had to figure things out, mm. where now a lot of those things are already figured out for you. So it's essentially like I felt like the blending of the two generations has, has been great because now I'm able to raise my businesses because of what's on YouTube, mm. social media, things like that. So, Yeah. So how did you overcome some of that pressure? So you're literally learning on the job. Yeah. And an unforgiving environment, right? Yeah. So barbershop culture, you have a bunch yeah. of other experts around you. You have clients that are like, yo, don't mess up my hair yeah. because I got to go to school tomorrow. Right, I can't right. go. Yeah. So how did you overcome some of that pressure and still be willing to yeah. learn and, and get better? So the biggest thing for me, I was good at shape ups. So in my in my mind, I was like, as long as the front looks good, are they going to take <laughs> yeah. the back really like that? So They can't see the back, right? <laughs> I, and I would just spin that chair really fast with the mirror in their hand so that they're not really looking too quick. But um, I just knew that if I kept at it, I would get better over time. Um, and it, I worked with, you know, some super talented barbers in that shop. Um, but there were, there was a few that really, like, took me under the wing. I remember struggling in haircuts. A barber named Abasi, he had passed mm-hmm. away recently. Um, but he actually would take the clippers out of my hand mid haircut and just help me. Wow. And that meant so much to this day. I still remember him doing that several times with me. And like, he would like, hey, don't give up. He always was kind of like that big brother to me that gave me those little pep talks. Cause he knew like the one, it was the one that almost ended me where I was like, I ain't doing this no more. Like, mm. I'm not good. I don't know what I'm doing. I could only shape people up. It's just, I really needed someone to break down a haircut. Like, this is how you do it, mm. now go. But I didn't really get that. So you have to, you know, fight for yourself in there and try to figure it out. So I would try to like scope out who's getting the easier haircuts to make myself look better and try to avoid the the more difficult haircut. So, but over time, you know, with the reps and experience, you, you're always going to learn from that and get better gradually. So, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what happened over the time. So. Nice. Yeah. So you speak of uh, that barber that took the clippers out your hand yeah. and kind of helped you out with, yep. and he kind of sounds like a mentor really. Yeah, yeah. Are there any other mentors that kind of took you under uh, their wings and helped you out in your um, I I wouldn't say so much in the barber industry. I would say like my biggest mentors and role models would definitely be like my family, Mm -hmm. like my parents, uh, my wife supporting me. 
I just, I always felt like my parents were always there whenever I kind of fell. I, they couldn't really help me with the business things mm -hmm. because they obviously didn't know the barbershop business, things like that. But as far as just having them, I mean, there's definitely barbers I looked up to and wanted to chase to like get on their level as far as skill set wise, things like that. But when you're working in a barbershop, it's not like it's every man for themselves, but everybody has to pay their rent at the end of the week. They got to make their money. So it's really not their responsibility to like, you know, help me. But the ones that did, like it, it always means a lot. You know, even even Flock, I remember, you know, standing behind him, watching him, asking him questions. He was always helpful. Um, all the barbers in the shop, you know, they did that, but they didn't have to do that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, but I sometimes fast forward now that I have a school, I really wish I would have went to a school, but at that time there was no schools open in, in Lancaster. And I really didn't think to go outside of the city, which I probably should have, but I think school is super important, super beneficial now because it's it's your training wheels yeah. before you just get kind of thrown in with the sharks. You know what I mean? It's, mm. it's not easy because our location, people want it a certain way, it had to be right. Otherwise mm. it could lead to other things, you mm. know? So, but thankfully nothing happened. Everything worked out. So, yeah. well, we're glad you're in the city. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so tell me a little bit about that transition because you know, not only did you go from barber to barbershop owner, yep. then you opened up a barber school. Yep. Uh, so, you know, that's a journey of entrepreneurship that is, I'm sure, challenging. So yeah. Tell me about those transitions. So from the barbershop to, or from the barbershop working at that to getting my own, um, I just felt like I just never wanted a ceiling over my head. Mm -hmm. I, I never wanted a job that you say you get paid this amount and that's mm -hmm. it. And if all three of us are doing the same job, but one of us working harder, I just feel like you should earn more. So that's why I just always wanted the ability to control my income and my destination basically with my career. So I, I basically at a young age, I was in college, um, firm believer, if you start something, you have to finish it. While I was in college, I already knew I didn't want to do college. Mm -hmm. I wasn't even applying myself. I was thinking about the haircuts. Mm -hmm. All my notebooks had shape of drawings on them, designs, fades. Like mm -hmm. I wasn't even paying attention. I should have paid attention mm -hmm. because later down the road, becoming a business owner, there's valuable information that I didn't hone in on to when I was in college and I needed it then, mm. but I was too focused on cutting hair. So I ended up finishing college, got, I got my associate's degree. And then when I was 21, I opened up my barbershop. So the biggest transition from the barbershop to my own was, was managing people that were all older than me. Mm. So I was 21 and three out of the four barbers in my shop were all older than me. So, but they respected me because of my skill level and they were looking to learn from me as well, but they also brought things to the table. But me, I was still super shy. So it was like, I, I was hesitant to even say hello to people coming into the business, not because I didn't want to, it was just because I was like, what if they don't say hi back? Like yeah. these thoughts just kind of run through your mind, but it's just like, if you have these goals and these dreams, you have to be willing to kick through those doors mm -hmm. to get to the other side. And so little by little, it's like these little milestones I had to keep doing. So with the barbershop, eventually I kind of got systems into place. Um, just being young, I never managed nothing. So you got finances, making sure you're paying your bills on time, making sure your inventory is. I own the building. So when things mm -hmm. break, I'm responsible for it. Um, dealing with different personalities at, with employees mm -hmm. and then creating a culture of our shop. Every shop carries its own environment. Mm -hmm. Some are good, some are bad, um, but the people in it create it. So it's up to me. It's like barbershops are, are definitely like a basketball team, right? Mm -hmm. you, you pick your starting lineup. Sometimes people get traded. Sometimes people get fired. You know, and you got to create that organization that wins championships every year. So for me, I, I realized down the road that hiring talent wasn't the answer. Hiring mm. good people that are hungry and reliable was always the right way to do it. Mm. Because if they got that drive, they're going to get better as time goes on. So 
fast forward now from the the barbershop to the school, the biggest transition, I think it was year 10 of having the shop is when I decided to open up a, no, year 10 is when I, I found out I was having a daughter. So that's when I kind of had to talk with my my wife was like, not that I was getting burned out with cutting hair, but I just was like, I can do more. And mm-hmm. it, it was because I started so young. I was like, am I really just going to do this for the next mm-hmm. 30 years or something? Not that I'm complaining, but I just felt like through failing and learning, there were so many things that I that I knew that I needed to give to the next generation so that all the mistakes I went through, they wouldn't have to do that. And they can have that that mentor that I didn't have that I wish I did. So to kind of like give them the answer key to what they're about to get into. Now, you can give someone the answer key, but it's still up to them to write the answers in. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I just kept, I kept telling my wife, I think I want to open up a school. And if I do it now before, you know, our child's born, by the time she's in like first grade, we're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. So I had to keep my word, you know, and we, I think I got delayed by about half a year because of COVID. Mm-hmm. But that was the biggest transition for me was the school. Um, life was good with a barbershop, but knowing that I was bringing a kid into the world, mm-hmm. I just wanted more from my family. Uh, for my daughter's kid someday, you know, and just leave my legacy. Um, but I know it requires a lot out of me to create that. So just really trying to push the bar forward every day, every single day I wake up. So, yeah. yeah. Well, there's, there's a lot to unpack there. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that stood out to me was um, building a championship team. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know a little bit personally because yeah. I, um, about some of your teammates, yeah. but talk to me about some of the key figures on your team that have helped you throughout this yeah. journey. So in, in my barbershop, uh, it's a great story for myself. It was something I always wanted was I wanted everybody that worked for me came under me that mm-hmm. I trained. Mm-hmm. So I have my manager, his name's Daniel Pena. He's been with me 11 years. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like second in command is Brian Sanchez. He's been with me as well mm-hmm. for 11 years. Those two guys are like like my brothers. Um, we kind of been through the storm together, like with, cause our business is now appointment only, but mm-hmm. they were in the grind when we had walk-in specials and hundreds of people were cutting a week and just going crazy. But they like, they, they stuck it out. And then the other five barbers that work in the shop were all graduates of the school. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of a cool thing that every person was really handpicked. Those two guys were my apprentice back in the day before I had the school. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, I, I handpicked them because I, I seen something in them. And I know they'll get mad at me when they hear this, but none of them skill-wise were ready to cut in my shop. <laughs> and I also remember I wasn't either when yeah. I started in the barbershop. Mm-hmm. So, but the thing that I seen in them was a little bit of me. I seen that drive and that fire mm-hmm. that they had, um, and I knew they would get better. And now, like, my you you can send anybody's chair in my shop, feel 100% confident. There, there are a bunch of lines in there. Mm-hmm. And it's it's great because because they all came from the same school, they don't say it, but there's little competition between them. Like mm-hmm. who's going to be the best, who's going to get the most clients, who's going to end up charging the most. And it just pushes each other, which is great in the, in the business. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then at the school, um, my right-hand man over there is Zach Wise. Mm-hmm. He's my campus director. He's the GOAT. Like there, mm-hmm. there's nothing that I haven't thrown his way that I didn't know or he didn't know that he couldn't figure out. So Zach also came from McCaskey. Um, he, he graduated number one in his class. And now he's he's continued keeping that number one spot for me. Like if it wasn't for him, our school wouldn't be where it's at. Like he's he's the everything in the office he handles, everything educational is what I've been handling for all these years. And it's just been a great team together. We mm. just trying to like incentivize him, never put a ceiling over his head as well. If we grow, he grows as well. And that's that's what I try to do in both businesses is because I don't want a ceiling over mine. How can I create room for growth for everybody that you never plateau? And if you do this, you can go to that next step. So just keep trying to be innovative and things like that in business. 
Yeah. yeah, I love that you want to take your team with you. Yeah, you yeah. know, you're trying to build them Without up. Without them, I'm nothing. So <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. You, you need that team for sure. Yeah, and it's a blessing that you can count on these people. Yeah, you know, because at my shop, I'm only at my shop two days a month. Mm. So the fact that that business is running turnkey and those guys know what the, what they need to do to keep the business afloat and the numbers, like I send out quarterly reports on how many haircuts they're doing, mm. and it's increasing every quarter. And I'm not even there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that goes a test to all of them doing what they're supposed to do. You know, my manager, you know, implementing the things that need to be done. And I can't do the school without these guys doing what they're supposed to do, you know. So and that was a big fear was leaving. Will the quality of the business be jeopardized? But I was kind of look at franchises, mm-hmm. Walmarts, Targets, McDonald's, things like that. Like they're still opening up. They're not settling with just one or two. They're just branching out and you mm-hmm. find the right people in place and you know, you're always gonna have something in business. Nobody's perfect, but I'm I'm always a firm believer keep a ninety a ninety uh grade average, like mm-hmm. an A. Mm-hmm. You don't gotta keep a hundred, but as yep. long as you got the A average, you're probably doing some things right. So Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Um uh Kedrin Crosby from Work Wisdom, she has this saying where it's uh um it's okay some situations it's okay to take the B. Yeah. Uh so it's just realizing it doesn't have to be perfect, right? right? You right. can always improve on yep. of that, but you know, better done than, than perfect. So yeah. yeah. Keep that standard and never dip beneath of it. So, yeah. Um, I'm curious, what um resources or um knowledge did you seek out when you uh look to open up your barber uh barber uh shop and the academy? So the barber shop, as far as seeking out, it was just what I was in in mm-hmm. the barber shop working because, like I said, it wasn't really big for like social media and things like yeah. that back then. I think we we're still on MySpace back then, so. Um, so there wasn't much. I just knew I wanted to like open up my own shop yeah. at that point. But for the school, I just felt like it was a need in our city. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to bring something different to the um, to the city and really like raise the bar when mm-hmm. it comes to barber schooling and and really turning everyone that comes into into the school into a good person, a businessman, and then a barber. Yeah, those are the three main focuses that we try to do first, like making those changes so they can change their life as well. But for me, like what a lot, what a lot of time motivated me was going to hair shows, mm-hmm. taking classes, um, seeing successful people, and knowing that's where I wanted to be. So, and now it's like social media. You don't have to go. I mean, I know everything on social media isn't reality, but even what people do, it still can motivate you. Like mm-hmm. if you see a, a barber school in Atlanta doing something that you're not, you can now incorporate that by using that tool. Mm-hmm. So, and I don't want to sit back, you know, I want to stay innovative, but shaking people's hands. Um, I was at a hair show in Connecticut uh, a couple months ago and I got to talk with a, a friend of mine. He has a school actually in Atlanta and just some of the things he's bringing to his school are great. And, and then there's things that I do that he didn't know. And then we just, now we're doing both of the things at each other's mm-hmm. school. And I think mm-hmm. that's what it's about. Cause it's not about who's better because our goal is to educate the mm-hmm. next generation. So I could care less who school has more students. It's just impacting them and, and their success is my success. So mm-hmm. there's something about barbershop barbershop culture where it's very competitive and collaborative at the right, same right. time. Because yeah. you're right. Like there's always a competition yeah. of who's better, yeah, who has yeah. the better cuts. But yeah. I've never seen anyone compete to the point where they're not willing to collaborate. Right, there's constantly right. barbers going over to another person yeah. and helping them out. Absolutely. So, yeah. It's it's a beautiful thing. And and that's the the great thing about it is like competition is good mm-hmm. like yeah. that's what pushes your business if you notice like anytime you see like a mcdonald's there's a burger king nearby mm-hmm. and they're still doing good yeah so sometimes we need that push because it ra- makes you level up your business to mm-hmm. the next thing if if i was the only barber school in the city i might get complacent 
because I don't have anybody on my heels. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. You know, yeah. but I, there is another one. So I got to make sure I bring quality mm-hmm. every single day in my business. But I got to focus only on my business. Like we, a lot of times barbers worry about what other shops are doing, things like that, and other barbers like. When you start doing that, you're the problem, and that's how you're not going to grow. Like, mm-hmm. I promise you have enough headaches in your own establishment. So focus on those things. Run your business as good as you can. Be good to people, and good things will happen. So I, I was just going to say, I love that you guys share knowledge with each other. You yeah. guys don't keep that to yourself. Right. And it adds to the entire barbershop community. Yeah, you for know? sure. No one's like, you know, growing in a silo. Yeah. You want the whole community to see that's, growth. And, it's, not about, yeah. it's, it's not about us. I mean, like... Because for me as a school owner, like I got to impact the next generation right. so that they can kind of carry this to the next group of people that come after them. And mm-hmm. that's the domino effect that we need. If there's holes in that process, the process is going to be messed up. So exactly. we, we can't allow that to happen. Right. So. Yeah. You don't want knowledge lost. Right. Yeah. Right. You got to give it back. Yeah. yeah. You, you've mentioned the next generation a few times. Mm-hmm. And something I've appreciated about you from afar is that you have always been willing to mentor the mm-hmm. next generation. Yep. Can you talk about some of the folks that have come from your shop and have become entrepreneurs and business owners yeah, themselves? Absolutely. So uh, we have had several business owners come from my barber shop. Recently, we had one of our students open up his own shop. Um, there's been a lot of guys that kind of like obviously open barbershops, different areas. There's some in the city, some in Millersville. Um, we've, the other guy that just opened up from our school came from Harrisburg. Mm-hmm. So I'm just glad that they're able to take what they learn and implement their twist to it and create their own, you know, ventures. And I hope they keep raising the bars, um, as, as high as they can go. And, you know, for a lot of them, you know, I'm always here still kind of mentoring and things like that. A lot of my graduates, I, I still keep in contact with just checking in on them. Mm-hmm. Um, you can kind of tell there's always those students that just really want it more. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong that the ones that don't, but I really gravitate more to those. I just want to give them everything. Like recently I had one of my, it was one of my first graduates at the school ever. And he texted me and he just said, I just want to thank you. Um, I now make over a hundred thousand a year working for someone. Wow. So like that to me, I'm like, you followed the plan. It worked, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And yeah. for me, it's like, knowing that I was a kid that couldn't cut and now the things that I'm able to give them, it actually works. Mm-hmm. But I know I can't stand still and just stay right here. We got to mm-hmm. keep what's more because life's changing. Times are changing. Mm-hmm. You know, we're coming back from COVID. A lot of things changed from the hair industry and things like that. Mm-hmm. I think it was a lot of things were more beneficial for us, maybe mm-hmm. not so much the clients. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is our prices went up pretty mm-hmm. high. Oh, mm-hmm. I know. So yeah, so <laughs> good for me, bad for you, yeah. you know, but, but a lot of things, I think for me, it was a blessing in disguise, obviously, but you know, mm-hmm. thing, things yeah. happen, you know, but mm-hmm. everything's kind of up at this point. Yeah. So yeah. changing with the times. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you um, talked about COVID and how that changed the industry. Yeah. Um, what were some of the things that uh, became, that was a challenge uh, yeah. during that time? And how'd you overcome that? And how'd you, keep your business and your team right. um, uplifted and afloat. It was, it was challenging for sure. I mean, like, I don't know how to sit still. Mm. Like I'm always doing something and to shut me down for like 105 days, I think it was, um, that was difficult. But on the other side, it was a blessing. I got to spend 105 days with my daughter mm. that I'll probably never get to do straight 24 hours a day mm. with her. So that was the biggest blessing through the whole thing. Um, it was challenging because, you know, some some barbers don't have a financial plan. Mm-hmm. So the money ran out. Some didn't get approved for certain things. Um, so a lot of people were were franicking at, mm-hmm. at times, you know, because you have to pay your bills. You have to do what you have to do. Yeah. Um, but when we reopened up, there was a lot of guidelines. For one, it was like you couldn't, you had to do appointment only. Mm-hmm. Nobody could wait in your shop. They had to wait in the car, things like that to avoid a lot of people in one area. So we actually followed it. Now, I know a lot of people in the city didn't. Um, that's their business. Uh, we followed it and I felt like the biggest blessing came from it. Mm-hmm. When they lifted everything, 
it works so good for us because the the biggest complaint in barbershops is I waited too long, I got skipped, or someone butted in front of me, right? Mm -hmm. As a walk-in. Mm -hmm. So we were able to not take walk-ins anymore. And we went mm -hmm. appointment only. Mm -hmm. So there's only two shops in the city that are appointment only. And it was the greatest thing I ever did to the business. Mm -hmm. Now the barbers are are so much their own boss. They make their own schedule. They come in when they want. They leave mm -hmm. when they want. I have a happier staff. Yeah. They don't have to stay after to cut all these walk-ins coming in when they were thinking they're going out to dinner. Mm -hmm. So it was like a great change. Um, and it's worked out really well for us. Mm -hmm. I, it's been, you know, a few years now. But that at the time during COVID, I couldn't see these blessings coming mm -hmm. later. And now reflecting back, it's like so many good things did come from it. Minus, you know, obviously people getting sick and things like that, family members. But on the business side, where where you kind of became hopeless and now you're hopeful with the way things kind of panned out now so yeah yeah one of my favorite sayings is the the obstacle is the way yeah and it's this idea that rather than trying to avoid obstacles go, go around it. them yeah. go through it because right. what you're looking for the answer is on the other, other side, side of that. yeah yeah um and covid for <laughs> all of us right, it was right. one of those obstacles that it seems like there was something on the other side to be learned right right mm -hmm. yeah. yeah definitely learning learning with all that stuff mm -hmm. so this episode is built by Cargis Systems. Cargis is an employee-owned software company offering business software implementation, support, and customization since 1988. Driven by its purpose of shared success, Cargis gives back to the Lancaster community through STEM initiatives, art programs, event sponsorships, and more. Visit Cargis.com to see what makes Cargis a reliable software partner and one of PA's best places to work. Um, what are some huge milestones that you're like, oh my gosh, I yeah, did that. Okay. <laughs> um, I think like, I'm not one to celebrate a lot of things. I just expect a lot out of myself. So mm. even if I win something, like you might not even see me smile or nothing, like, cause I expect that out of myself, yeah. like, cause I, I'm willing to put the work in to make sure that I do win, hopefully mm. whatever it is. Um, but I would say the biggest milestone that I probably worked the hardest was myself and Zach was getting financial aid at our school. Mm -hmm. um, you know, without having financial aid at your school, you're you're not guaranteed payments. Mm -hmm. If a student don't have it, you're not getting paid. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's not a, it's, there's no guaranteed, but your bills have to guarantee be paid. Mm -hmm. So it just caused me to work tons of hours. Like the first four and a half years, I had four days off a month just on Sundays. Mm -hmm. And Sundays I'm still buying supplies, doing bills, things like that. So it's a half a day. So it's really two days a month off you had off. But I knew if I stayed at it and I went as hard as I did, I would get to the point I need to be faster. I didn't want to go slow and steady. Um, last October, we just got financial aid. I can finally breathe. I got some days off. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and it, it's, it's good. I'm, I'm kind of reaping the rewards finally of, of all the hard work. I'm going into year 19 of being a business owner. So like it's, it's, finally, it's finally coming together. Mm -hmm. But for young entrepreneurs coming up, I just said it took 19 years. Mm -hmm. So that's where I wish I had a mentor, you know, sometimes in our industry that was, you know, maybe five, 10 years ahead of me. So I can, Hey, what, what would you do now at this point? What yeah. should I be planning for? Things like that. But I'm, I'm glad I'm able to do that for other people now. Mm -hmm. So, but even now, like, I wish I had a school owner that was maybe 20 years older that he's mm -hmm. about to retire and say, Hey, this is what you should be doing. Yeah. Um, but if not, you know, the only way is to find a way you got to do it. That's yeah. it. You'll yeah. figure it out. So um, you were talking about, wishing you could ask somebody who is yeah. 10, 20 years yeah. further down the line, yeah. what advice would you tell whether a barber starting out or an entrepreneur yeah. starting out? What's some of the like key knowledge or okay. nuggets of knowledge you wish you knew at that time, yep. whether they're starting out or a couple years into their journey? Like trying to become a business owner? Yeah. 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 So 
I would say like if you're thinking about becoming one, there's a lot of things that have to happen. Like basing it on a barber, for example, like if you don't have a book yet, you're not ready to open a shop because mm-hmm. you couldn't master it in someone else's shop. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know. But sometimes environments are toxic that could play a part. But you re- you should still be able to build a clientele. So make sure you're good at what you do first. Um, get as much experience as you are. Build a following so that when you open, you have people coming to your business. Um, after you open your business, make sure you still have a financial plan in place. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't have wiped out your entire savings to open the business. So kind of rule of thumb as a business owner, whatever your expenses are, you want to keep at least six to 12 months mm-hmm. of those in the account that you never touch just for those worst case situations. Um, and I'm, I'm a big, big believer on you don't own your business unless you own your building. Mm-hmm. So I know a lot of people, I've said that before and people didn't like that, but it's just like when your lease is up, if they say it's going up 30%, is your business still going to be there? So really control the narrative, control mm-hmm. your business so no one can control you. Mm-hmm. So if it means waiting two to three years to save more money, to put yourself in a better situation as an independent contractor, that's your retirement. Mm-hmm. So you own a building, you're in business 30 years, it's probably quadrupled in value when you're ready to retire, you can sell it, it's paid off. Now you have another retirement fund if mm-hmm. you don't have IRAs, 401ks, things like that. So. Those are the things where most of the time we're just excited to say we have a business, but a lot of people don't realize everything that goes on when you have a business. Mm -hmm. So just that financial stability. um, I was in a perfect situation where I had a two unit, about Mm -hmm. a 10 and above. I literally operated a business for the last 19 years for free Mm -hmm. because the rent paid the mortgage. Mm -hmm. So, and that's what I'm saying. Like put yourself in that position to do that so that you, you don't have to worry about that stress if things happen that the bills are paid by someone else basically. So I'm just all about the real estate. Like you gotta, you gotta own real estate. So yeah. Yeah. We're uh, at assets. One of the things that we focus on is around technical assistance and financial coaching for a lot of our community lending clients. Um, Tell me about the importance. It sounds like you've done a lot of deep dives into personal finance and educating yourself in that, in that space. Yeah. I mean, it's just like at our school, we teach financial plan classes, um, we bring in uh, lenders and mortgage brokers to mm-hmm. explain to our students and credit specialists. This is not part of the curriculum, mm-hmm. but that's what I—that's what people need to do to create financial freedom. Like you have to gain assets, mm-hmm. no pun intended. But <laughs> what I mean, like you really do to create that that opportunity for mm-hmm. yourself. So, like I, I took a lot of classes, things like that as well. Just listen to YouTube videos, just to continue to educate myself um, as I'm projecting the future of where I'm going. I want to work less. I want to slow down. I want to plan my retirement, but I've been planning my retirement since the day I opened my shop. Mm. So, and that's the biggest thing for young business owners is like, I tell the students in orientation, how are you guys going to put your clippers down? And they're looking at me like, well, I didn't even pick them up. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, well, you need to work on this plan now Mm. because you don't want to wait till you're, you're 65 and like, okay, I'm still cutting hair and I have nothing in the bank. Mm. So I just want to kind of plant those seeds into them so that they can, you know, get on the ball with those things and start planning for the future. So, yeah, I I really appreciate that because it's not only as a barber or if you're a chef and artist, um, the skill set for your business is not just that skill set. There's these business fundamentals, these personal finance fundamentals that apply for everyone and are just as important to being successful. Absolutely. Yeah, it's great. Um, What would you say are... um, one of the top two things that you enjoy about being a barber specifically? Yeah. Um, I think it's the creativity that I can do on someone's hair. It's like, for me, when people are stressed out, they revert to certain things. Some people go to the gym, they go for mm-hmm. walks. For me, I feel like I go blank when I'm cutting hair. Like mm-hmm. everything stops sometimes and mm-hmm. I just lock in on what I'm doing. 
I can't really lock in all the time like I used to because I have students around that I'm explaining and teaching, which that's totally fine. But I think it's just that that feeling you can give someone by a good haircut and a good service. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of males that I cut, I cut females as well. Um, but for them, that might be the only 45 minutes they have without their kids, their wife, their mm -hmm. job, the stress. So I want to make sure it's a good experience for them and, and pamper them because mm -hmm. they're paying me good and that's the only time they may get. And I was looking at like, what would I want in the service? I need mm -hmm. to make sure I'm doing more than what I expect mm -hmm. for my own self, you know? So that's probably one of the biggest rewarding things as a barber, as a school owner, it's just planting a seed and watering it daily and watching it grow. Like it's, there's no, there's no greater feeling when someone tells you like you helped me and mm -hmm. it worked basically for me. It's like, I was a kid that I never thought I would be having these things, having a school, having a shop and being in the position I am, but I'm grateful that things worked out that way and I'm able to do that. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's really cool because earlier you pointed out uh, cutting hair is like therapy to, yeah. to you, yeah. but it's probably therapy for, for the people clients. you're cutting yeah. the hair yeah. for, right? Yeah. Oh, it is. My barber is <laughs> my therapist. Every right. time I go there, I'm just like, right. listen, you wouldn't believe what happened. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. you guys are benefiting, you know, it's both sides, you know, yeah, absolutely. there's a give and take for both sides. Yeah. So I'm interested. Who's your favorite person you ever cut hair for? Any cool people or just um, like people that stand out in your memory? Are you like, I really like cutting this person's hair? Um, They're a character. I think I got some that definitely uh, just bring so much good en energy. Mm -hmm. I got a lot of clients like that. Like I look forward to them because it just makes my day better. Yeah. I don't know if I could pinpoint one, but I, I have a, one of my first cut ever with his name was Andre Witte. Um, he, he let me, he's the one that took me to the barbershop. Mm -hmm. He's the one that let me do the first shape up on him. I still cut him to this day. Um, and I always make sure that I tell the students around me because it's always new people coming in that he was the reason why. Because if he didn't take me to the shop, he didn't let me do it. I don't know what I'd be doing, mm. you know. So like he's definitely one of my favorite ones. I, I would definitely say. Yeah. Um, I, I got so many to pick from. You know, a lot of clients yeah. I cut. I don't know if I could just pinpoint one yeah. of them, but just the ones that come with that smile. It's always good energy. Mm -hmm. Like it just it gets contagious. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. that's that's the greatest thing about it, is like once they give that to me, I can pour it into others. So yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned a couple of things around burnout um, mm -hmm. and going hard for a period right, of time, right? right? Um, so when it comes to mental health, yeah. self-care, what are some things that you're yep. doing to make sure that you are able to do this at a sustainable pace? Right. And I think you have a pretty strict gym routine, if I'm yeah. not mistaken, too, right? Too, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you got to focus a couple of things is mind, body, balance, and faith. Mm -hmm. Those are the four principles that I, I have to focus on. You have to work on those things. So with your mind is feeding it with whatever makes you happy and surrounding yourself with the people that keep your mind strong and not negative. So removing toxic things. Um, even with my students, I share with them. I never listen to the music on the way to work. Mm -hmm. That's my time for audio books, motivational videos to get my day started. So I can pour that energy into my students. My daughter's in the car with me on the way to camp and I, we're listening to this. She don't understand some of the stuff. I'm like, mm -hmm. just trust me, listen to this part, you know, because <laughs> I want her to get on that same thing that she yeah. goes to camp, super excited, happy, mm -hmm. Um, Cause it's like a muscle almost. If you mm -hmm. don't work yeah. on your mind, it's going to stay the same or go backwards. So yeah. just really feeding it and surrounding it with the right people. And then your body health as well. Like I put so many hours in my career, um, but just, you know, I wake up at four 30 every day. Mm -hmm. I work out five, six times a week and it's not for muscles or nothing. Like obviously I like that, but <laughs> that's not what it's for. It's, it's really for, it's a stress reliever. Mm -hmm. It's, it's the, if I go at night, I don't see my family. So I sacrifice sleep mm -hmm. to make sure I get me time. Cause I need me time. Mm -hmm. So it's those, those drives in when no one's on the road at four 30 and in the gym where there's not many people there. I feel like that's where I get the best thinking done. Mm -hmm. Um, so 
I really just lock in. I say to myself, I don't talk or nothing. Like I just, it's really therapy for me as well. And I just try to get my day organized in my mind, writing notes in my notes on my phone, like what got to get done. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, just having faith, believing always, you know, and being grateful for the things you have. And then having that balance, like everybody talks about their why, like, why do we get into barbering? Why did I do this? But I think it's more important about what you're more like, what do you need mm-hmm. more of? Is it free time? Is it happiness? Is mm-hmm. it what are those things you need more of? And those are the things are the reason why you got into business was to get those goals that you've seen in your head. So you don't want to lose track of why you got into it. Mm-hmm. Like if you wanted to work three days a week by running a business, you should do it. Mm-hmm. So I'm just big on like trying to plan a trip every quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm taking more days off now. It's been, I feel like I'm like, I'm almost going to get in trouble or something. I'm doing something wrong. I'm playing <laughs> hooky or something. Like it's weird. Yeah. Like Tuesday today um, is my day off. I blocked the rest of my summer out. Mm-hmm. Um, Tuesdays is the day I do scalp micropigmentation. Mm-hmm. Um, but my daughter's, you know, she's home for the summer. So every Tuesday is daddy daughter date the rest mm-hmm. of the summer until she goes back. So, you know, with kids, you don't, you don't get a lot of time. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like, I, I'm shutting the books down until September and the rest of the summer is off for her. So, and that these are things that I always said I wanted to do, and mm-hmm. now we're doing it because yeah. of the hard work that we put in. It positioned us to do so now. That's awesome, and I love the the focus on family as yeah, well. Yeah. Um, obviously, we do this for a reason. Yeah, that's yeah. the main reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So early, you mentioned um, some talking to other barber yeah. owners, yeah. and you talking to them. You guys share innovative ideas yeah. and collaborate. Um, and you mentioned just now uh, scalp micropigmentation. Yeah. Is yep. that one of the that's one of the most recent things you've implemented yeah. with your business and offerings, huh? Right. So that was a that was like a turning point almost in my career um, with the school. So like I told you, I was working so much uh, wearing all the hats myself and Zach. And it was to the point where I wasn't making what I wanted to. And I also didn't have the time I wanted. So I had to do something. I'm like, I can't keep working like this. Something's got to give. Um, because we're waiting for this financially to come to guarantee what we're teaching. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So um, I literally had to learn an entire new career. Mm-hmm. So countless hours practicing, falling asleep on my counter with a, a tattoo gun in my hand. Wow. And my wife, my daughter's coming over with a notepad, practicing with me <laughs> um, and just, you know, working as hard as I could because I knew if I did, I would get those things that I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, and, if, you know, within a year into it, like, it became super successful for myself. Mm-hmm. I, I ended up having, I took off Saturdays every other Saturday, which is, that's kind of unheard of for barbers, yeah. but I wanted to be with my family. So that allowed that. And then Tuesdays, if I didn't have people, I was good. So, and that's kind of now I got some days I have three days off. Like mm-hmm. this is a week. I got three days off this week. I'm off today. I'm mm-hmm. off Saturday. I'm off Sunday. That's kind of unheard of for myself, mm-hmm. but it's like my wife, you know, she's always in my head, like, take the time. Like, why are you doing all this stuff if yeah. you're not going to enjoy it? Like, because mm-hmm. I can just keep going and going and don't know how to stop. So she's the re she can slow me down. Yeah. Not in a bad way, you <laughs> know, but she's, she's the one that reinforces the why and why I'm doing mm-hmm. things. And, mm-hmm. and that's why I love her, you know, and that's what, that's what I need. It keeps me grounded and to always focus on what's more important too. So. A couple of rapid fire questions. Okay. Uh, what is your favorite place to eat in Lancaster? Favorite place to eat in Lancaster? Lancaster City or? Uh, we'll be broad, okay. Lancaster County. Yeah, okay. County. <laughs> um, I would say our go-to spot is definitely El Serrano. Mm-hmm. But my lunch spot, I think I, I don't know if anybody's ever went to Sprout more than I have. Okay. <laughs> but I, some days I'm there every single day. But I mean, there's so many great food spots to choose from. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love El Serrano. Um, we recently went to 401 Prime. That was really good. 
Belvedere, um, just going to the market. Mm -hmm. So, so many good spots. So, yeah, yeah. Lombardo's. I like Lombardo's too. So, awesome. Yeah. All right. Favorite thing to do on the weekends when you have off? Just... Um, I say just grill and cook out, have friends over, things like that. I'm not too big on going out. Um, just having friends and family over, having a little cookout, a little fire pit, low key and relaxing. That's it. So, yeah. yeah. And favorite music? Music. Um, I like hip hop, yeah. R&B. Yeah. All right. Top three rappers of all time. No, uh, you don't Ooh, have to answer that. That's but, gonna get controversial. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was ready. I was ready. So, well, if you're feeling yeah. controversial, uh, feel free to drop them. Um, well, we'll go Jay Z, Biggie, okay. Okay. and Drake. Okay. 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 Yeah. I, I respect it. Yeah. I could go with a lot that. You yeah. probably won't like Drake on there, but that's <laughs> what I like. So sometimes yeah. I think top five and ten is interchangeable right, right. these days. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there's yeah. so many. You gotta, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Um, are there any things coming down the pipeline that you want people to know about that um, you want to promote? So I, as of right now, it's really just getting my life back. Okay. I'm slow, working on slowing down. I do have, it, in my head, I'm trying not to do nothing this year. Mm. I'm just trying to just be normal and mm -hmm. go to work because yeah. I'm always trying to get into an investment or something. But I like how you said be normal. Yeah, like I don't <laughs> trying to be normal yeah, this year. Like, That's my goal. My wife said, "Why you keep doing these things? I don't know." Like I just, I just feel like I see this clock. It's gonna hit zero someday, and I got to make sure we do everything we're supposed to before that hits zero. So yeah. Um, but next year, there's there's definitely some big possibilities of expanding our school. Okay. Um, I have looked at bigger locations. Uh, we are kind of like at capacity growing mm -hmm. out of what we have, mm -hmm. but I don't want to jump too soon either. So yeah. it's, there's no rush on those things at all. Um, and there's, there's possibilities of more shops, franchising, mm -hmm. things like that um, into different areas. So, mm -hmm. but like I said, this year, I'm just trying to settle down, just lay low and just enjoy right now. And we'll kind of see what the future holds. Cause I'm kind of getting used to like having some time right now. And I know if I get into something, it's require more time. So that's, that's what you're giving up. You know, mm -hmm. you want free time or you want to keep trying to grow something. So yeah. that's, that's the balance that I have to always work on. Awesome. And where can people follow you? Right. right. Um, on Instagram, Instagram, yeah. I'm at Corso, Facebook, mm -hmm. I'm at Corso. And I don't really get into all the other apps. I'm, yeah. I don't really have much time. So yeah. you won't see me on, on yeah. anything else besides those two. So. Yep. Yeah. Well, awesome. thank you for joining yeah, us thank you for uh, on your me. day off. I didn't realize it was your no, day off, okay. but thank you for spending some time with uh, Assets Crew. Oh, thank so. you for having me. Yeah. It was so great to sit down with Amit. We hope you learned a few things. He's killing it with his business. In the next episode of our podcast, we'll be sitting down with Elizabeth Peters and Teddy Bucard of co-owners of Red Rose Books. As a friendly reminder, Assets 30-Year Celebration Assets at 30 is happening on September 12, 2023 at Southern Market. The program will run from 6 to 8.30 p.m. and doors will open at 5.30 p.m. It'll be a convening of innovators, entrepreneurs, community leaders who are passionate about small business and ethical entrepreneurship. We hope to see you there. You won't want to miss out. This is the Built by Us podcast brought to you by Assets. Visit us at assetspa.org to learn more about the products and services we provide. And you can follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and YouTube.